Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and everything in between. Yes, it's Thursday at 3 o'clock and time for some tea with BVP. Hey everybody out there, I'm your host, BVP, also known as Bill Van Patten, your own international superstar and the diva of SLA. Here we are live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the snowbound Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan. With me, of course, in the studio, listening to all the great music coming through on our headphones, are Walter Hopkins and Angelica Kramer. Walter, would you like to say hi, or are you done laughing? Hello, everybody. Why are you laughing? Angelica's laughing, too. It was an exciting adventure to get here and to start. Angelica, say hi. Herzlich willkommen an diesem etwas kühlen und schneereichen Donnerstagnachmittag hier in East Lansing. Does that mean we have snow up to our elbows? Indeed it does. Oh my gosh. Can it, is, was anybody watching the news last night, those of you who are not here in East Lansing, to see what happened to us? We got slammed like nobody's business last night. That's all that rain that went up the East Coast that started down in the Gulf and went up. Well, on our side, it became snow. And we, ne we, we haven't had any snow this year. The other day I was walking my dog in 50-degree weather on green grass. And all oh, of a sudden yeah, it got up to 60, what, a week ago, right? Yeah, so. and then, then this morning, last night and this morning, we had, what, like a foot of snow or something? I hope someone took a picture of yesterday morning at 9 a.m. and this morning at 9 a.m. You know, and I thought about it yesterday I when I left the house. Because we knew. We knew it was Because yesterday coming, there was no snow, zero, yeah. zip, none. No. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Why didn't you just do it, I Angelica? Know. I know. Oh, man. You know why you Failure. didn't do it? Why? Because you hadn't had your coffee yet. Yeah, That's indeed. That's what it is. I don't drink coffee, so yeah. What do you drink, tea? Yeah. Awesome. What flavor tea are you having right now? Peppermint. Peppermint. That's not tea. Might as well <laughs> just get some grass and throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I mean, really, all these non-caffeinated teas. I mean, tea. I want some tea tea. I want a man's tea. I want Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> It has a man's name in it, right? Earl. It does. It does. Uh, Good. That's well, funny. it's not Dame Earl Grey. You know, it's like just whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it is. No, but we really got slammed last night. Those of you who do not live in Michigan are lucky. Um, if you live in Indiana, you're not because you got it. Parts of Illinois got it. It was this whole band that just went up from St. Louis all the way up to the tippy top of Michigan. <clears throat> Man, it was a mess. Anybody excited about this weekend? Walter, do you know what this weekend is? You know what this weekend is, don't you? I it's know what this weekend is. The day before leap day? <sighs> the day it's the weekend after your birthday. No, it's not the, no, gosh. Oh. I'm not that self-centered. Yes, I am. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Oscar weekend. Aren't, oh, yeah. aren't you guys excited about yes. the Oscars? Oh, dreadfully excited. Oh, me, I can't wait. Can you guys... <laughs> Okay, are you guys that bad? Can you like name one one movie or one actor or somebody a director nominated? Leo, Leo yeah, for who? the uh, DiCaprio. Isn't that the Leo DiCaprio. The yeah, he Revenant. is nominated for what? What's Revenant. He? Revenant for best actor. Actor. There you go. Was it, it good? Have you seen it? No, but I know it's good. You know <laughs> why I know it's good? Why do you know it's good? Because you know who directed it? Uh, nope. Same guy who directed Gravity. And I know you like you like that movie, oh. but I don't remember who the director is. Alejandro, what's his face? Oh, Gonzalez Iñárritu. Exactly, mm -hmm. and he's he's super good. Um, but all his movies, though, I don't know if you noticed, but his movies 
are all very focused. Um, he tends to write with his son too, but his movies are all very focused where there's always like one central character and the movie revolves around that person. So like the way Sandra Bullock or Ryan Stone, the way she was out, stuck out in space by herself, in this movie, Revenant, you got the same thing. After he is left to die, Leonardo DiCaprio, his character, after he's left to die out in the snow, he's out there battling the elements by himself. So it's kind of the same kind of movie um, in the sense that it's, it's a person against the elements. You know, huh. So the antagonist is not another person. The antagonist is you know, out there is going to get you the, the whatever it is, the environment, mm-hmm. whatever it is that's you know not a person. I did see the preview for that. I, f- I forget what movie I was watching. I saw the preview. It was actually in the theaters, but but I I haven't seen or heard any other movies that have been nominated for Oscars. I've just heard of the controversy that's going on about the Oscars right now. Mm-hmm. Because of lack of diversity. Yeah. It's kind of like our little group here, our little lack of diversity here. <laughs> Although, I don't know. I think we're kind of diverse. I think we are. We have a German and a Latino and, oh, wait, a white male. Well, <laughs> you're not old. If I though, go back, so if I go back good. to calling you a volleyball, then that makes you. Oh yeah, that yeah. we're really diverse. But <laughs> <laughs> so we have two animates and one inanimate. That's that's <laughs> diversity right there. I'll stop talking now. Actually, you're a presidential candidate. That's pretty diverse. Oh yeah, no kidding. Anyway, so I'm excited about the Oscars, be- and and for those of you calling in today, the Diva Quiz has several featured questions about. Oscar winners. Ooh. So if you think you can take the Diva Challenge quiz today, you call in for that. It's going to be fun, along with our SLA quiz, but I'll get to that later. <clears throat> and we have an announcement for our listening audience. Um, if you've been paying attention to the newsletters you get, then you are know that w- you know that we are super, super excited to announce our first creative ad contest called, dun, dun, dun. called Get Your T-Swag. On. Don't you love that tea swag? Because mm-hmm. it rhymes with tea bag. Tea bag. That's why we thought of it. Luke and I thought of that term. So it's called Get Your Tea Swag On. What we want to do is we're going to award the most creative tea with BVP advertisement that's created by you, the listeners out there. Now, the ad can be a poster, it can be a social media post, it can be a blog post, it can be an event. For example, you can host a tea and take a picture of yourself as hosting a tea and and, and talking about tea with BVP, you can do whatever you want. Um, it could be an announcement at a meeting where you're standing up and telling people, hey, um, we want you to listen to tea with BVP. It can be anything you want that helps to promote our show. Um, anything you want it to be, so the limit is your creativity out there. So be as creative as you want. The best three entries will receive a bag full of tea with BVP swag. Hence the get your tea <laughs> swag on. And we've got some brand new surprises in the tea swag stuff. I'm so excited. Luke and I have been working our little our fingers to the bone getting some new tea swag. So that's coming in soon. So anyway, so if you uh, want more details, go to our website, teawithbvp.com. Um, Luca has uh, put some information there for you. Um, just just navigate till you find the get your tea swag on and get it's right the right at the top of the page, actually. Yeah, right it's there. at the top of the page. It's so right there. So you can't miss it. So go to teawithbvp.com. And uh, find out all about getting your tea swag on. Come on, we want we want we want really good content. We know we've got some big fans out there who are ready to like get a big prize. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. This right. is the whole month of March, so right. The whole month is we'll be taking your your entries. Exactly. So anyway, so if you go go to teawithbvp.com and find out about that, and then we will be looking at your entries. How exciting! I always like new things. Mm-hmm. I need, I was, I'm so bored with my life. I need new things like this. Hmm. I, need, I need to get my tea swag on. I need to get there something on. I need to get something on. You're not even wearing any tea swag today. I've lost my, I got a red shirt on. I've lost <laughs> my mojo. 
I, I really have lost my mojo. I'm huh. like so... I think it's the weather. You think it's the weather? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just my... I need more sunshine. Maybe yep. it's because maybe, maybe it's I had a birthday and I'm getting older. Who knows? Oh, whatever. No, I just feel so blah. I do. I need listeners to call in and cheer me up. Okay, so that's your job today, listeners. You need to call in and cheer me up today because got I've got the late February blues. That was intense. <laughs> I got the blues. I shouldn't be laughing at your blues, but that really hurt my eardrums. Well, <laughs> that's because you got such big ears. Actually, you don't have big ears. You got nice ears, Walter. Oh my god. Walter's got <laughs> sexy earphone ears. Oh Angelica, right? Yowzer, sure. He does. Walter. I, d- I don't see his ears actually. Sexy oh, earphones. Oh, Look at oh, that. Oh, now he's showing gosh. them off. I like oh, it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sexy earphone ears. Crazy. <laughs> Instead of Walter for president, it's going to be Walter's ears for president. Because <laughs> <laughs> he will listen to you with those sexy ears. Oh, my gosh. Like Ross Perot's ears, <clears throat> wasn't that? Ross when he Perot's ran ears. for president, they were talking about his ears, right? Uh, well, because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy, when he ran in the wind, they were flapped like an elephant's ears. <laughs> I don't know how he made it out there. No, I don't know how he made it to his car from the door because he would take off like Sister Betrill, the flying nun. Just a good breeze and there he's going in the air. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just he'd be like flying like a kite. Oh, my. But anyway, I digress. Walter, what's our topic today? <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. No, I do. It's native. We're talking about can someone become native-like in the second language and should we even try for that? Should that be our goal? Should that be our teaching goal? Exactly. So can people become native-like in a second language, and should we make that our goal? That's our topic this week. Now, if you want to get on that conversation, and we want you to get in on that conversation, call us at 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. And don't be surprised when you call in you're, if you're expecting Dustin's dulcet voice today. You're not. You're going to get... Emma's dulcet voice, because Emma Dunn will be manning the phones today, or I should say personing the phones, um, and she's waiting for your call. If you don't call us, you can tweet us, you can mixler us. What's the verb for that, getting on mixler and mixler us? Yeah, sure. That sounds good. You can mixler us, um, <laughs> or you can send Walters here. He's got his laptop open. He's waiting for your emails uh, at twithbbb at gmail.com. But again, as we always say... We want you to call us. We want you to talk to us, and especially me today. I really, because I got the blues. <laughs> I need you to call me and cheer me up. And don't forget our quizzes. As I said earlier, um, our diva quiz today has some Oscar questions in it, so it should be good, good and fun. And then we have a regular SLA challenge quiz. And I got a few twisters in there because they're not all multiple choice today. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. That fun? So if you call in and do the SLA challenge quiz, they're not all multiple choice. I, got, I tell you, I got to mix it up. I need something new in my life. I like it. So I have to at least change the quizzes a little bit, something, right? Mm-hmm. I sit there and I change these things when I'm working on them. And I go, oh, that's fun. And I go, oh, I need something new. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so call in, take the challenge quiz again. Our phone number is 517-884-4321. Emma will be waiting for you. She's there. I see her through the glass window of our booth. She's got her fingers on the button waiting to just pick up that phone and and hit the button when you call in. All right. So again, our topic is, what's our topic again? See, I can't even remember. (laughs) remember, I've got that tinnitus going on in my ear. Did you guys know that? It's still going on. Hmm. It's almost two weeks now. The ringing in my ear. And so it's disrupting my sleep pattern. 
And so I'm not sleeping. So I'm literally functioning on like no sleep these days. It's not good. It's not good. Let me tell you, make a person like me. I'm I'm like that that character in that movie, Still Alice. I'm starting to lose my memory. I can't remember <laughs> where I am half the time because no, it's true. I'm lack of sleep. It's what are you looking at me like that for? Angel- <laughs> Y'all should see Angelica look at me like, what the hell is he talking about? No, it's true. I got That's this, not good. Got this ringing in my ear. During the day, it's not too bad, actually. But at night, when I go to bed, it's like in my ear. It's like mm. awful. So I'm falling asleep with the TV on because that helps drown it out. But then I don't sleep well because the TV's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why I'm blue. So call me and cheer me up, people. Okay, again, our topic is can people become native-like in a second language? And should this even be our goal? Now, with this topic, we are venturing into some very, very swampy areas of second language learning, some very swampy areas of second language learning, things like the critical period hypothesis and age effects in language acquisition. We're talking about things like fossilization, or what I like to call the F word, fossilization. Uh, Also, the possible role of individual differences. That's part of this conversation. And of course, my favorite question, if you ask the question, can people become native-like in a second language, you are automatically asking the question, native-like in what? Mm -hmm. Walter, why are you looking at me like that? Okay, so I'm just intrigued. Yeah, of course I'm you're intrigued. Very, you're hanging on my every word. He's the, you should see his sexy ears just leaning in and listening to every word. <laughs> I you say. can't see them. <laughs> what are you talking about? So native like in what? So we're talking about becoming native like in your mental representation, your underlying grammar, and all that stuff in your head. Um, if so, then what aspect of mental representation? Because there's so much to that. Um, are we talking about becoming native-like in language processing and performance, or native-like in communication, or what some people call proficiency? And if so, again, what parts of proficiency, what parts of communication are we talking about? Okay, because language and communication are not these monolithic things. We have to break it down, right? We're like Bruno. Bruno Mars going, break it down. But before we get into specific ideas, let's first ask the following question. Why do we even care about this topic? Why do we ask this question? Where does this question about a concern for native likeness come from? I'm going to tell you where I think it comes from. I think it comes from two fronts. First is, I think it ties into the launching of the critical period hypothesis, which came about in, anybody remember what year? When the critical period first first made the scene? Mm, Nope. 1967, something around that long, yes with Eric Lennonberg and his work on aphasics and all that kind of stuff. And what the CPH, the critical period hypothesis, basically said was that there was a window for learning a first language. That is, if you didn't learn a language, your first language, within a particular time frame, chances were that you would not ever become native-like in your first language. In other words, you had to to learn it in a a certain window of, of time. And for various reasons, um, what was established was you had to learn it by, the, by, your, by puberty or by 12 years old or something like that. Um, now, this idea about the critical period for a first language was then extended to second language acquisition so that the, the revised CPH, critical period hypothesis, when it hit the scene in second language circles, basically said that whether it's a first language or a second language, if you didn't learn it by a second age, then native, like, native likeness was not possible. Um, and I'm simplifying here. Those of you who work in the critical period, you know I'm simplifying. But I have to. It's a radio show. I only got an hour here. Okay, you know, <laughs> I got to get into this topic. I'm getting the, the, the card to the window saying, hurry up. Um, <clears throat> I think the other reason that we're interested in this topic is because of our favorite friend from the past, behaviorism in audiolingual methodology. Remember those guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what audiolingualism and behaviorism were all about? 
Remember one of their, some of their key concepts? Memorizing. Well, yeah, but mm-hmm. why did you do that? What were, what were, what were, what was the, what was the underlying psychology of behaviorism in ALM? Habit formation. Okay. And the idea was you had to form good habits. Okay. And the idea was the, the, the idea was that you could become native lag, but only, only if you formed good habits. Okay. And that only happened under certain conditions and there's certain kinds of practice and under certain kinds of positive reinforcement and feedback. And coupled with that was avoiding quote unquote errors at all costs. So I think this modern day question about can we become native-like and should this be a goal, it's really traceable, traceable back to those two things, which basically aren't that far apart from each other because ALM hit the scene around the late 50s, early 60s in language teaching. Behaviorism and, and language learning had been around for about a decade before that. And then the critical period hypothesis at the scene at the end of the 60s. So we're talking about some convergence of ideas in the late 60s <clears throat> while the rest of us were burning our bras and, and, um, and protesting in the streets. <laughs> there were other people sitting around worrying about native-likeness. I wasn't burning my bra, my God. I didn't, I didn't have a bra to burn. I don't know why I even brought that up. <laughs> uh, as I get older, I may need a bra. What do they call that on Seinfeld? The bro. That's what it was called, the bro. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway. Um, I'm shaking my head if you haven't noticed. <laughs> Whenever y'all out there in the audience, when Walter is quiet, that means he's shaking his head. He can't even talk. <laughs> Walter gets embarrassed very easily. You've been working with me now how long? Four years? I don't get embarrassed. I, I don't get embarrassed for myself. I get embarrassed for you. But uh, you know, it's Why like, for me? <laughs> do I look like I'm embarrassed? I'm still talking. No. Actually, <laughs> I, I don't get embarrassed very easily, but I just think, oh, my word. I'll never all. forget. Okay, before I get back to the critical period, I'm going to do this. But I have to tell everybody out there that when we hired Walter, oh no, people actually goes. said, God, he's so different from you. Do you think you'll get along together? I go, why do you think he's different from me? Well, he seems so straight-laced. And so I go, don't worry. I'll work on him. <laughs> 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 and look, here he is four years later doing tea with BBP and having the time of his life, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. That's See? what you want to call it. I'm... You are. <laughs> you know you love me. More oh, than yeah. You do. You do. Okay, so getting back to this whole issue of native likeness, um, for language teaching, this is a very important question. Now, why is that? Because if native likeness is possible, should this be our goal, right? So if native likeness is something that's actually achievable by most people, is that the goal we want to put at the, as, and, and, as the, as, and the yardstick by which we measure language teaching? And if so, then the implications for language teaching are another question. How do we get learners to become native-like? How do we help them become native-like? Now, on the flip side, if native-likeness is not possible, then what about all of our cherished notions of teaching, explicit teaching, practice, error correction, and so on? Because rightly so, if people can't become native-like and you're doing all these things that aren't going to let people become, are going to help people become native-like because they can't, then aren't these ultimately not of a lot of importance given that learners won't be native-like? I mean, that's, that's a conclusion you can make. I'm not saying it's the right one, but that's one you can make. I've actually heard people say that. So <clears throat> I'm going to dangle those ideas out there for our audience, and hopefully you're going to call in or you're going to mixlerize us and do something. If you want to get on the conversation, and you'd better, call us at 517-884-4321. I'd be particularly interested in hearing from those of you who have tried to become native-like, or have done things, or, or think that you have tried to become native-like, or if you haven't, why not? Um, I think it'd be interesting to hear from you, from your own personal stories about that. Again, 517-884-4321.
now. I know we've got some um, tweets this week, and we've got I got an email here that ties in something from last week that ties into this week. So, what should we start with? Do you have something from? Twitter sphere that you want to bring up, uh, Angelica? I do indeed. Oh, and this awesome. is something that I actually also agree with. Matt was saying, as a learner, I don't find it helpful uh, being native-like. Um, it's about identity. I don't want to be a native speaker. I want to be a proficient one. A proficient non-native speaker? Yeah, a oh. proficient speaker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a couple of other people have echoed a, a similar sentiment um, on Twitter that what's the point? Um, I mean, why, why, even if, if it is an attainable goal, this was what Anthony was saying here, it's not worth chasing if you ask me, because as long as you can communicate, who cares if you're native-like or not, right? You know who said that, actually? Um, Margaret Mead said that, and Sandy Savignon quotes her in her 1972 book, or 76 book, that we republished in our series back in the 90s. No, I'm sorry, it was Sandy's 1983 book that Jim and I republished in, in the 1990s in the series that we had with McGraw-Hill. Um, and Sandy quotes Margaret Mead talking about that very issue. Um, Margaret Mead, I'm going to paraphrase here. Margaret said, I'm not the best linguist in the world, and there are people out there who can speak way better than me. But when I go into the village, I know whose pig is dead. Mm-hmm. I know who's getting married. I know who's related to who. Yep. And so, I mean, so what Margaret's basically saying is that I have language and communication sufficient for the needs that I have, and people accept me where I go. Um, and so, I mean, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a fine attitude. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with Matt and these other people who sent in those um, tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, but from an educational perspective, um, I'm wondering if we would get in trouble if we started saying, oh, we don't care about native likeness. I mean, I mean, hmm. well, I, I think mean, I, I, I guess I would, I would posit the question, at what level do you think it is, I mean, because Angelica here is not a native speaker of English, but I think she sounds pretty native-like to me. She's been here a long time. She's, she's learned to speak like a native-like in my mind, you know, there are people that she sure swears like one when she's not on the air. <laughs> let me tell you, out in the hallway or at oh. dinner, let me tell you, you can't shut her up. I mean, and so it's I like think a Donald Trump speech sometimes. So oh no way! Take you. that back. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> I take it back. I, I blame it on being blue. Oh, here we go. Blue. Okay, but you were saying about it. No, I just I think that at some point, you know. Uh, the goal of a learner might be might be native likeness, but I don't know that in a uh, in a high school classroom that we can. Re- I, don't, I don't know if that's a realistic expectation in a high school classroom or even in a college level classroom. Native likeness becoming a goal of that, I, I think it's it's virtually impossible. So, well, it is impossible, and I think it's well. I mean, let's look at what the research says. I'll go ahead and talk about this a little bit while while we wait for somebody to um, mixerize us or or write in or call in. Oh, God, nobody's calling in yet. Everybody's out there shoveling snow. That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, it's true. At least here, if they're in the Midwest, they are. Uh, but but the research is clear that it's 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 there are only certain domains of language where you can approach native likeness, and there are others that seem to be, for some reason, recalcitrant or problematic, uh, and that everybody, no matter how good they sound. Because language has all these different components interact, there's always some component or set of components that are going to be non-native-like. That's just the way it is. 
And um, the reason this topic is so important, again, is going back to language teaching, is that we do things because we assume that native likeness is the goal. This is why we teach grammar. This is why we correct. This is why we present this vocabulary, not vocab that vocabulary. Um, and this is why textbooks look the way they do. Uh, it's all predicated on this idea that there's some native speaking model out there that we all can ascribe to and get to. Um, and that has implications for the kind of materials um, that, we, that we use. Um, Excuse me, and I actually got an email from uh, from Carol, I won't say which Carol, but Carol, who was sort of relating this to last week's topic, and, um, and she says that um, if research supports the claim that second language learners rarely, if ever, attain na native-like production or fluency, then why would certain organizations... Uh, forcefully promote the use of authentic resources and authentic materials in the language classroom, in particular at novice levels and intermediate levels. Um, that's an important question, and that's exactly what I'm speaking to, that, that, that classrooms cannot be places for native likeness because you have a group of non-natives to begin with. Um, and so this push to use authentic materials, I think, is a little bit bothersome, particularly at the lower levels. Uh, I think authentic materials should be saved for, for much, much later. I mean, that's a personal thing for me in terms of curriculum development. Um, but I, I think, again, it just, you know, unless we're trying to get the novices to interact with natives right away, which is also not possible. Um, somebody's kicking my cord here, so I got to pull my cord up. My cord, my cord almost came. Was that you, Walter? No. Your your big your sexy ears and your big feet. That was you were kicking my cord up. My mic my microphone almost came out of the plug there. Um, anyway, well we got a caller on the phone, so let's go ahead and take this caller on the phone and see what she has to say because it is a she um, has to say about this topic. Um, and we have Ariana from somewhere here in Snowbound, Michigan. It looks like Ariana, are you on the line? Yes. Hey, Ariana, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I got a surprise snow day, so that is awesome. Oh, nice. so that's why you're calling in, because you're not teaching, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. I would say good for you, but there are probably other better reasons to, to, to stay home than being snowbound. But anyway. True, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I, was, I was listening, and I had a, a bunch of ideas going through my head, and then I was listening as uh, I was waiting, and then more ideas popped in my head. So the first thing was, um, I was what Walter said was really, really interesting when he said that a, a learner might have an, the eventual goal to be native, like, and that's kind of where I was was going um, in the in the classroom setting. Um, I, I I had a professor who who drilled into me that you know language learning is a slow and dynamic process. You you may be familiar with this guy, you know, Bill Van Patten and all. Um, <laughs> So I was thinking, how can we, and that same professor also, uh, which I totally agree with, discussed um, that we should never make a classroom a learner feel like they can't do something. We shouldn't make it hard on purpose. And so I feel like if our goals in the classroom setting are native-likeness or, or even to, I don't think that can be a goal personally, but even if that was the message that our students would get, it would, would get I think it would be very difficult for them um, to, be, to be responsive to anything because they would always feel like they were doing something wrong. 
and I just don't agree with that. So I don't I don't feel like native likeness in a, in in the classroom can be a goal. I think as a teacher, it's my job to give my my learners the tools that they need to continue to learn once they walk out of my classroom. Um, and then you know, and if they and if they continue to learn, then then great, and that's wonderful. Um, but it's going to take a very very long time to to get that kind of near near native like and. And I guess like that kind of depends on what your goal is. So if your goal is just to be able to understand and communicate, um, then I don't think it's necessary to have a, a native like uh, a native likeness. Um, the thing that I was kind of jumping up and down about as I was waiting to speak with you um, was the authentic materials thing. I, that always struck me as really really difficult before. Um, before I learned anything about second language acquisition, it was kind of like, okay, yep, let's let's get these authentic materials in here. But then when I started learning about comprehensible input, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't fit because it's very, very hard to find something authentic that is also going to be considered comprehensible input for a beginning level learner. Um, so I'm just thrilled that you said that because um, now I don't feel so bad as a teacher if everything that I do doesn't have an authentic resource attached to it. Um, I think that authentic resources are important to expose them to because, you know, ultimately we want to show them the uh, right is not the, the word I want, but the right way to, to speak and uh, comprehend the language. But I, I don't think it can be considered comprehensible input at a beginning level. No, you, so. you're, you're right, and it can't. And that, that, I think you're, you're lurking behind what you're saying, Ariane, is something else that occurred to me. And that is that, is that I'm going to break this down into two parts. Just let me say the first part. Is that if we're concerned about authentic materials because of this native likeness thing, we have you know, some kind of goal, then that means if we don't do that, everything we're doing is unauthentic. And I really don't think we want to say that, do we? That what we're doing no. in class is unauthentic. Um, and the second part of that is that authentic to whom? Because language learning is always defined by context. And so um, if you go into the classroom and use language like a native speaker to your students, that is mm -hmm. inappropriate language, and that in itself is inauthentic for learners at the beginning level. They need to be talked to and talked with as learners, like babies. They need to be talked to that way. Not necessarily baby topics, but they need the kind of input and language interaction that's for their level. That is what is authentic to that level in that classroom context. And so this authentic term really bothers me. Um, it's, it, it's almost like the, the same thing that some people out there in, in the field in linguistics have questioned the concept of native speaker, like what the hell is a native speaker anyway, right? I mean, and and right. that's a valid thing to ask, I, I think. Um, I don't ask that question myself necessarily, but it's a valid one to ask when you use native-like comparisons all the time. And so um, so I think I think what you're saying, I mean, and I'm agreeing with you, is that is that the classroom is its own context and it has its own authenticity. It does not need to have the outside world tell it what authenticity is because again, communication, which is the expression, interpretation, negotiation, meaning in a given context, means all of that communication has to be defined by that context. And the classroom is a context with real people. 
um, doing some doing something that is classroom appropriate and and, and appropriate uh, level appropriate as well. So so all those things I think mitigate against this idea of bringing all this native like stuff in early on. Um, even 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 you know most of the way through um, up until they get toward advanced level, I think is is it's it's tough. It's it's tough stuff um, until they get to a certain level that they can handle. So yeah. You and I are talking the same stuff, Ariana. Good. Yes. <laughs> Great. So that's good. Well, I appreciate your calling in. You, Greg, go and enjoy the rest of your snow day. You're going to have some tea right now? Um, yes, I, I do have some, actually. <laughs> You're not drinking peppermint tea, are you? No, I'm not. I actually have some chamomile right now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What's with you people? <laughs> just, I, I like that, Ariana. Just throw some go. grass in a mug and get over it. I tell you. <laughs> Get me some tea from some some from India or from where's where do they grow tea? Sri Lanka. Say we used to be called Ceylon, right? Sri Lanka. I want some good British Empire tea. <laughs> wow. There I said it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Ariana. Thanks for calling and have a great rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, poor thing, come Tail. I that. Does not. I, I like the points you brought up, but I have to. I just have to as an aside. Chamomile tea, really, in the middle of the day. That's like, you're like. Are you criticizing our callers? I'm criticizing. No, I'm criticizing <laughs> the tea the caller is mm-hmm. drinking. That's different. That's I different. I've, can Sex, I can sexy I add ears. something? You sexy you ears. Are you so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Well, I want to give a little sexy ears for president. There, I said it. Okay, go ahead. What? What, Walter? What you, <laughs> no, uh, uh, getting back. Okay, are you going to say something? Or I'm going to try I'm gonna, to say something. We'll say it. Go Am ahead. I allowed to say something? Uh, yes, you Do are. you grant me permission to speak? Yes. Master, here's the. <laughs> I get a little pushback in a, about this authentic. Because I think someone might say, all right, if, if we're wanting to prepare our students for success outside of the classroom, uh, we want them to see things that they might actually experience in the culture. So, for example, but so, they're not in the culture, and it's not no, outside the classroom yet. That's no, 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 no I understand, point. but 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 I, I understand what you're saying. But I but I think <laughs> is an authentic material appropriate if, for example, in my classroom, I I speak authentically. I don't I don't make up little. I I, I use actual language, authentic language in the classroom. Okay, because. Uh, and and sometimes what I what I have to inform my students is that I want you to focus on what you know or what you already are familiar with and whatever other things around me that might be helping you to recognize what it is I'm saying. Don't focus on what you don't know because you're not going to understand every single last word that you read. You're not going to understand every single last word that you hear in the classroom. But you're going to be able to figure things out through context if you're paying attention, if you're focusing on the input, if you're focusing on what you see and what you hear, etc. Uh, and so I think the same can be said in a, uh, with authentic materials. If I'm, if I, I, know, I understand what you're what you're saying about well, they're not in the in the target culture. But if they're if we're helping students to prepare for success in a target culture, uh, it, let's let's say that's a that if that's one of our goals, okay, um, then would it or would it not be helpful for them to have some sort of exposure to an authentic sign say for example maybe some maybe they'll see this type of a sign in, in, in the culture or 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 if they're you know maybe going to some event and being able to at least pull some things out authentically like what time the event is where the event is these types of things um, would those types of authentic materials be helpful providing that that's our goal for the class at that at that particular point and I know in the I know that you're saying in our context here that's not a goal we're in a classroom context but perhaps there are some contexts where that is a goal is pre- preparation for future experiences in 
in an overseas context or in a, in a native or target culture? My response to that, Walt, was very simple. That's only appropriate if the goal is clearly defined and if the, the culture and context are clearly defined. In other words, you can't, you can't have some vague thing in your head like, at some future point, they're going to the culture, therefore we're going to do this. No, because you don't know what culture they're going to. Going to Peru is different from going to Catalonia, for example. Um, and, and, and going to Paris is much different than, than going to Haiti, for example. And so what does it mean to prepare them for their future, their, their work with culture? So I don't think, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to accept some, some broad and sweeping statement. I'm going to say you're being broad and sweeping because you, you normally are not. You're, very, you're a very focused and concrete person. But for the listeners out there, what I'm saying is that be careful of those kinds of statements. Well, in the future we have to prepare. No, because you don't know what that future is. And, and for you to have appropriate materials, you have to have clearly defined in your head what that contact with that culture is and what those needs are for the student, then you can do that. I would say yes. Um, but it's like anything else. If you don't have something clearly defined, then you're just throwing darts at a board or sticking pins in a voodoo doll, I think. Um, you know how I am, I'm goal-driven. I like, you know, I like to have concrete things laid out and then we help students work toward those concrete things. And unless we have that cultural stuff clearly defined, then it's, it's really, it's, it's hard. Particularly for languages like Spanish and French and some of the other languages where you know, there's a gazillion different, not a gazillion, but you know what I'm saying. There's so many different cultures, and they're not all the same. I mean, so like for example, like just saying for the difference between boisson buvrage, for example, in French, mm -hmm. one is used one place, one is used another. So which one do you use, and why? And are you or use both because you don't know what culture they're gonna go to? No, just use the word that's appropriate for the language you speak, and using that's what happens. So, let, so. Uh, well, you bring up an interesting topic with boisson buvrage. So let me ask this question about so if you're teaching, I know for example in our curriculum we do have a less, we do have a a unit on on. Uh, restaurants and ordering food and you know asking for the bill and all this kind of stuff. So would it be appropriate in that type of a situation where the goal is being able to order something in a restaurant, being able to, would, would it be appropriate to bring in a menu from an authentic place uh, and then ask questions that they are able to then, you know, ask them questions or, or ask them to order something, you know, authentically in a situation like that? Where they're seeing authentic an authentic menu, order from an authentic menu, uh, be familiar with authentic vocabulary that's used in this authentic situation authentically. <laughs> in <laughs> the con in the context of a classroom, that's not it's authentic. Not authentic. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> let me just, let me let me back, Walter. I think I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here because I think in that particular case, my my approach is that that is not so much an issue of of some future thing down the road other than strategy development. How do you deal with this menu you don't understand? That I think is valuable. You're developing strategies for dealing with unknown things and that's just a good tool in life. So if you take stuff to class now and then and say, well, let's look at this and what, how can we figure out what, so you see this thing on the menu that says chicharos. I don't know that word. Well, maybe the, your textbook you learned guisantes because that's the standard global word for peas in Spanish. But in my dialect we say chicharos. And so so maybe you get this maximum says says chicharos, and so you go. So how do you find out what that means? And so you ha you you can use manuals to develop strategies for dealing with things that are part of a given culture, uh, but not necessarily preparing them to be in that culture. Does that make sense? That that's what I think those things are good for. Um, and you know how I feel about that whole 
dining out stuff that we do in the textbook. But you know, we put those stuff, those things in textbooks because we have to, otherwise books don't sell. Um, because people think they should be there. But you know, the classroom is not a restaurant. So why are we doing restaurant stuff in a classroom? Um, I'd rather watch a scene from a movie. I said, let's watch those people order something, see what they do, let's see how they do it. That'd be you know, I think a lot of our conversations always boil down to what's the goal? D- what's the goal of our classroom, right? Exactly. Look at language teaching. Yeah. There's t- it boils down to two things. So what's our goal and what do we know about language communication and language acquisition? So when we have goal and then our knowledge about those three things working together, then we're, we're figuring some things out. We're making some, some informed decisions. Um, we got a call coming through. Uh, we have, it looks like we have Kristen from Montana, it sounds like, with her classroom. Do we have Kristen on the line? Yes, I've called before. Yeah, this I is Kristen. Th- thought so. My gosh, you're not having a snow day. To, you're not part of our Midwest snow belt. You're way out there in the West. So no, we've got gorgeous sunny weather. Nice. Uh, thanks for rubbing. <laughs> well, we we're actually sunny this afternoon. Sorry. That's the weirdest thing. We had this big snow dump, and then all of a sudden it was a beautiful sunshine afternoon today. Anyway. So how are you doing, Kristen? How's Montana? How's everything else going on? I'm well. We're great. Um, I Last time I called in with a bunch of seventh graders, and this time I'm calling in with my sixth graders. They had, they came up with some interesting questions for you because um, they, they, I posed the question to them, and they um, wanted to ask you some questions. Well, we're perfectly willing to speak to your students if you want to put one on the line right now. Who do you have? Of course. Who do you have lined up? Okay, this is Nick right here. Hey, Nick. Hi. Um, Do you have a question or comment for us, Nick? Yeah. My question is, how can I become a native native language speaker? Of which language? German. Go live in Germany for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) You think I'm kidding. I'm not. Angelica is laughing, but... That's how you become native. Like you have to go live for a very extended period of time in in a country to to become native. Like on all levels of language, communication, and culture, it takes a long time, a really, really long time. If 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 you know if, if it's even possible, and a lot depends on you, Nick. Um, you might be predisposed to not be native, like unconsciously. You don't know that, um, even though you think you want to be native, like. And then there are people who don't really care but become native, like for in spite of what they don't care about. So that's what we call individual differences. And so we don't, we don't know why some people can go one way and one people another way. It's just we don't know. So, um, but you won't know until you go spend that time in the, um, the, host, the host culture, the host environment, as it were. So I'm sorry, but that's, that's all I can say to you. Nick, go to Germany. Exactly. Yep. I agree. Geh nach Deutschland für zehn Jahre. Tell your mindestens. teacher that that she she's not going to help you become native. Like, no, just kidding. Don't tell her that. But <laughs> you're scaring poor Nick. Okay. <laughs> Does that answer your question, Nick? I hope. Yeah. Okay. All right. You got somebody else in your class you want to put on the phone? Yeah. Okay. Great. I like Nick. Here's. Yeah, I like Nick. Very Here's Holly. Holly. Hello? Holly Holly Oxenfree. Hey, Holly, how are you doing? Good. Guess who this is? Um, the guy on the radio show? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the international superstar, Bill Van Patten, <laughs> a.k.a. BBP. Yeah, you got it. How yeah. you doing, Holly? 
Um, my question is, what's your favorite language, even if you don't speak it fluently? What's my favorite language, even if I don't speak it fluently? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I have a favorite language that I don't speak fluently. I grew up with two languages, and so I love those, of course. Um, what? I do like Italian. I don't speak it fluently. I kind of speak it halfway. But I really do like listening to Italian and talking to Italian. Um, Luke is giving me the thumbs up through the window. Luca. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I was Skyping with my friend Alessandro Benatti this morning, who lives in the UK now. Um, and I just, I, I just love Italian and things Italian. So I think I would say Italian after the like other language. Holly, what's your favorite language? Um, French. Nice. Is ah, that what you're bon. what you're studying? No, we're studying Spanish. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, Spanish is good too. That's one of my languages I grew up with. So. Yeah. Well, good. Um. Yep. Okay, you got. Um, go ahead. Um, this is Malena. Oh, hi, Malena. Hi. Hi, Malena. Do you have a question? Yeah. How did you become a native a native English speaker? How did I become a native English speaker? I was I was born and raised in the United States. That's how I became a native English speaker. Um, just like, how about you? Are you a native English speaker? Yeah. Yes, I, I did it the same way you did. But Bill, you're a bilingual speaker, right? Yeah, so my, my English is kind of, every once in a while I do something that I say things like people catch me, I go, open me the door, please, <laughs> instead of open the door for me. Because you, know, you always have leak, when you're bilingual, you always, and even when you become an advanced non-native speaker of language, you get leakage between your systems. And so every once in a while I'll do something in English that doesn't sound English. And every once in a while I'll do something in Spanish that doesn't sound quite Spanish-like for monolinguals of those languages but yeah so that's how that's how i did money I, I i grew up with english like a lot of people oh cool you could ask that question of angelica angelica how did you become native like um well i've lived my teacher now? <laughs> yeah sure yeah unless there's somebody else who has a question hello hey Kristen. Hey, good to see you. Very good to hear you from you. <laughs> Very sweet students you have. They're great, yes. I love them, they, yes. Um, they were excited to call in, and they, yeah, so. Well, good for them, good for them. So are you going to call yeah. in again next week? <laughs> no, probably not. It's, yeah, my administration will think I'm crazy if I keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's your Spanish class, you can call in for five or ten minutes, and I'll talk in Spanish there. How's that? That would be great. Okay, well, then we'll make a deal. You call in, and I'll do something in Spanish for them. That way your administration can go. You can say, no, it was, an, it was, a, it was a Spanish period, period. It was an input activity, yeah. Exactly, exactly. There you awesome. go. Awesome. Okay. Great, well, thank you so much. All right, Kristen, have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Kristen. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. <laughs> I love when students call in. I love that. I love that. And that, who was that, that Holly's, who, or no, it was Melanie who said, how did you become a native English speaker? <laughs> did she think I was non-native or something? Or Probably, I, I don't yeah. know. I, that was kind of interesting. So, oh, God, I'm having hot flashes again. Whew, mercy. I'm going through the change. I am. <laughs> the change in, in, in it's out of TMI. Mind. I'm going through TMI. the change in Walter's pocket. Here, there's 25 cents. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> stay away, stay away. <laughs> 25 cents. Look, behind those sexy ears. Look at that quarter. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. 
So we've got somebody, I think, calling in. Do we have somebody uh, is going to take our SLA challenge quiz at some point? I hope. Yeah. Hello, my name is Courtney. Oh, we do oh, have hi, somebody. Courtney. Hey, Courtney, how are you? Good, how are you? Enjoying the snow day? Oh, you're <laughs> supposed to cheer. Say something to cheer me up, Courtney, because I'm blue today. Uh, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> do you want to build know, a snowman? I don't know if you're a frozen fan or anything. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Actually, that's what I... That's what I that was a theory thing. That's like what I sent everybody here on Tea with BBP this morning. I sent a picture of my patio with like a foot of snow on it. And I, <laughs> I guess I can say this on the air, huh? I can say that P word, yeah. right? So I said, so I tweeted, I sent this picture out to everybody and I said, okay, who pissed off Elsa? Because <laughs> that's what it looked like outside. <laughs> oh, Courtney, so you're going to take our SLA challenge? I'm going to try, yeah. Take the challenge because great. Awesome. So before we do that, though, tell me a little bit about your background. You're some, somewhere here in Michigan. You're near Flint, right? I am. Yeah, I'm in a small town near Flint. Don't worry, our water is safe. Um, Good for but you. We're <laughs> helping out some of our people there who don't have safe water. Um, I am a private school French teacher, and I teach junior kindergarten through eighth grade. Oh, okay, great. Are you home today for snow day? Is that why you're calling? Yes. Ah, okay, yeah. We're getting a few of those today on the line. Um, yep. And so what's your background? So you majored in French? I did major in French, and I minored in English. I am born and raised in Michigan, but my family is French-Canadian, technically. Ah, okay, got So it. Got I it. heard few words. It's more like we heard, like, happy birthday or something. I learned it more in school. Okay. Well, uh, so tell me a little bit about your background at SLA before you get this quiz. Are you ready for this quiz? How did, what, did, what did you study I in think SLA? So you're talking a lot about the critical period hypothesis, and I wrote a paper in undergrad about that in second language acquisition. So I was kind of excited to get back into that. Okay. Well, maybe these three questions are right up your alley. They don't all talk about the CPH per se, but they're mm-hmm. related. They're not unrelated. So are you ready for okay. the quiz? Sure. Okay, unlike uh, our previous quizzes, these are not all multiple choice. Uh, there's a couple true false here and then one multiple choice. If you get okay. two correct, you get a prize. If you get three correct, you get a super prize. How's that sound? Sounds great. Super prize. <laughs> yeah. super all right. Size. All right. And then because you just live up the, the road like 45, 50 minutes away, Walter's going to actually drive them to you. We're not going to mail them to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you wow, can, okay. And then you can check out his ears and tell me if you think they're <laughs> sexy ears oh or not. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> all right. Ready, Courtney? Sure, yeah. Okay, here's question number one. Um, I'll give you, actually, I'm going to flip these around because this one we already talked about earlier. So if you were paying attention, then you should be able to answer this one. Um, okay. Number one, it is possible to be native like in some domains of language, but non native like in others. True or false? I'm going to go with true. Ding, 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 ding. There you go. Absolutely. That's what we were saying earlier. Uh, a good yeah. example is people are very often um, native-like with syntax, um, mm-hmm. but then non-native-like with morphological properties of language, like word endings and things like that. Or mm-hmm. people will be native-like in certain parts of the lexicon and, la- and vocabulary, but be non-native-like in pronunciation, for example. So, um, yeah, so that happens all over the place. Good. Good for you. Okay, ready? Um, question number two. This is multiple choice. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Fossilization is a term that refers to which of the following? A, the linguistic system stops developing. B, learners' speaking strategies stall. C, L2 speakers get tongue-tied. C, Uncovering the skeletons in Donald Trump's closet. 
Um, hmm. I haven't heard that term before, fossilization. Uh, I think I'm going to go with B, which B is in boy. B, with learner speaking uh, strategy stall? Yes. <laughs> Fossilization actually refers to linguistic systems as they stop developing. Like, like when something fossilizes, it becomes a rock. It doesn't. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't deteriorate anymore. It doesn't. You know, just becomes a rock. It doesn't. Anything happens. Okay. To it. So yeah, and so fossilization is is used to talk about when a linguistic system stops developing. So learners plateau. Permanently, I don't like the term fossilization. That's why I call it the F word. And there's some people who don't <laughs> believe in it. Um, I'm one of those people who don't believe fossilization is can be shown. Um, but then again, maybe someone will call in and argue with me about that. Okay. <laughs> so okay, but you're still on your way to win at least one prize here. So here we go. Here's question number three. Okay. Non-native. Not, I can't even say this word. Non-native likeness. Okay, so being like a non-native. Non-native likeness is easily explained in all theories of second language acquisition. True or false? Non-native likeness is easily explained in, what was the last part? In all theories of second language acquisition. True or false? Uh, yeah, I need some music. I'm just going this over. Um, <laughs> Non-native likeness. It almost sounds like a double negative. I'm trying to, like, process. Er, I'm going to go with false. You're going to go with false? That's I a good think. thing. It's a good thing you're going with false, because that is the <laughs> correct answer. Yay! <laughs> it's ap- a- actually most theories can't explain non-native likeness. Yeah. So most theories don't handle being a non-native at all. They don't, most theories can't account for the fact that most of us don't become native-like in a second language. So, um, so the answer is false. It's, it's just not, it's not easily explained in the theories of SLA that exist out there. Um, some people think they can explain it, but actually they can't. So they can call and argue with me too if they think they can. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, you've got two out of three, so you win one prize. Should we be nice and just give her the big daddy prize for because I tripped her up on the fossilization quiz? We'll give her, we'll give her the big so, prize. I think so, yeah. All right. BVP okay. so such a nice guy. Well, he Courtney, is Courtney so you, get your, you get your set of coasters for your house to keep your furniture free and clear of coffee and tea rings on your, on your table and your... Perfect. Thank you. All right. So you stay on the line, and Emma's going to take your address and information, and then we will get those sent out to you. Toot sweet. Or that or Walter's going to drive them up to Flint. So one of the two. So. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling in, Courtney. Well, that was fun. We had a, I had a, good, a few questions, and they're related to the topic of native likeness. You know, that really is, it's really interesting that I know some people are going dig- to disagree with me, but most theories of SLA cannot handle non-native likeness they can't they don't really have a reason for saying why you become non-native now, now connectionism does or what we call emergentism or usage-based theories uh, they call it blockage from the l1 but that's a kind of an ad hoc explanation i know some people going to call me and say what do you mean um but that was never part of the original conceptualization because technically you should be able to overcome blockage from the l1 it's just another factor but it's not the reason why because you know then some people can overcome the blockage and some can't Walter, will you stop kicking my cord? <laughs> it's the third time you've done that, this Jimmy. This is awesome. 
Walter almost yanked the <laughs> Walter almost yanked the earphones off my head again by kicking the cord <laughs> under the table. <laughs> I'm gonna have to sit him in another chair. I'm gonna put him in that the little kids table in the corner. <laughs> hey, we want we want to take the diva challenge quiz since no one yeah, else. Yeah, I, I agree. Walter and I will will pool our resources and completely miserably fail. Hit us with it. What's okay. question number one? You got two and a half minutes for this. Okay. Okay, ready Let's for this? It. Yep. Question number one: Which acting diva has four Oscars for best actress? <laughs> a Betty Davis. A Betty Davis. B Catherine Hepburn. C Meryl Streep. D Jennifer Lawrence. I would say Meryl Streep. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I don't know. I would. I was thinking Catherine Hepburn, but not Jennifer. Oh, Lawrence. Lucas. Lucas going like this when I to said what? Catherine Hepburn. Okay, Catherine Hepburn is our is our answer. That is the correct answer. Whoa! Oh, Walter, you're screaming in my ear. Um, she is actually the only person who has more than two huh. best really? acting Oscar. Oh. Yes, she has four. Meryl Streep hasn't caught up to her yet. May not. We'll see. Meryl Streep has three Oscars, but one is for Best Supporting Actress, and she yeah. has two for Best Actress. Okay, two. All of the following pop divas have won Oscars in addition to Grammys with the exception of one. So these are pop divas. These are singers who mm-hmm. have won Oscars. In addition to Grammys, with the exception of one, who has not won an Oscar? A, Cher, B, Adele, C, Bette Midler, D, Barbra Streisand. So who has not won an Oscar and has won a Grammy? What would Adele have won an Oscar for? I have no idea. Don't you only, I mean, Adele. The answer is Adele. I'll agree. The answer is Bette Midler. Oh man, what has really? Adele won an Oscar for? Last year, she won Best uh, Song for um, Skyfall. Skyfall. Oh. Mm-hmm. There you go. You can win an Oscar for Best Song. She wrote it. Co-wrote it anyway. Interesting. Yeah, Bette Midler has been nominated twice, but has never won. <sighs> okay, 30 Much. seconds. Okay, complete the famous quote from silver screen diva Mae West. It's not the men in my life that... I could do the, act, I could do the accent. <laughs> it's not the men in my life that count... I haven't the slightest clue. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I'm not going on? No, go on. The go clock on. is ticking. Okay, complete this famous quote from the silver screen diva Mae West. It's not the men in my life that count. A, it's how I count my men. B, it's the life in my men. C, it's if they can count. D, it's the count of Monte Cristo. A. I'm going to say A. Yeah, that would make more sen- most sense. It's not the men in my life that count. It's how I count my men. Absolutely. No. Oh. It's, ah. not, it's not the men in my life that count. It's the life in my men. Uh-huh. That was Mae West. Well, I guess we, we still don't get a win prize, anything. Right? <laughs> we only had one wrong, barely. All right, gang. We're running out of time here. So we got to start giving our acknowledgments. Oh, my God. Look, the clock is ticking. So um, we want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trego, who's in the booth waving at us. Thank you, Daniel. Our media producer, Luca Giappone. The talented and trusty call handler today... Emma Dunn, and who normally does it, Dustin DeFelice is out there doing something, I don't know what. Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, the most excellent intern, Emma Dunn. She gets mentioned twice a day, see, because she still has two jobs. Go, Emma. The Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA for short, the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And, of course, we want to thank all of you listeners out there as well. We'll be back next week. Join us at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. And guess what? We have no special topic. We're going to let you 
Tell us what you want to talk about by your phone calls and your tweets. So call us, tweet us, bring us your questions, and we'll answer them. Anything you want. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay away from the snow. Hug your little puppy dog. He loves you. And have a happy and a happy second language acquisition to everyone. Bye-bye. Don't forget about the tea swag. Bye, everybody.